This is the Sermon Podcast of Lord of Life Lutheran Church in Columbus, Ohio, where we proclaim God's extravagant grace, radical inclusion, and relentless compassion. Join us for worship Sundays at 8 a.m., 9 a.m., or 11.15 a.m. For more information, please visit our website at www.acceptingall.com. Our second dramatic reading is from 2 Timothy. It's uh, chapter 2. Verses 8 through 15. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, a descendant of David? That is my gospel, for which I suffer hardship, even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But the word of God is not chained. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, so they may also obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is sure. If we have died with him, we will live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. For he cannot deny himself. Remind them of this and warn them before God that they are to avoid wrangling over words which does no good but only ruins those who are listening. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved by him, a worker that has no need to be ashamed, rightly explaining the word of truth. Holy wisdom, holy word. Our reading from the life of Jesus today is found in Luke's gospel in the 17th chapter. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, 10 lepers approached him. Keeping their distance, they called out, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet, thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asked, Were not ten made clean? The other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And then Jesus said to him, Get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. Holy wisdom, holy word. Please be seated. Grace and peace be yours through Jesus, who does in fact make us well. We're in the midst of series, which in this case really just means that we're reading all the assigned lectionaries with one question in mind. And the question is, what does it mean to be the church? Um, For a lot of people, church is about what you believe. uh, And that's called orthodoxy. But to be really clear about this, Jesus didn't talk very much about what to believe or what to think. 
Jesus talked a lot about what to do and about what to be. And that's called orthopraxy. And I know there's probably no worse example for young preachers or how to lose people than start off with two big words. But I'm convinced that not seeing the difference between those two words is really dangerous for the church right now. After all, that's what the word hypocrite is about. Hypocrite is someone who believes something, says something, but doesn't do something and doesn't be something. And that matters because Jesus himself and just the Gospel of Matthew alone used the word hypocrite 13 times. I want to give you an example out of our second reading today. Uh, Paul wrote a lot of letters. In fact, uh, more than half of the New Testament is Paul's letters. He wrote them to communities and congregations, to the church. And they all have a theological part, and frankly, it's almost the same in all of them. And then they all have a context, a practical part, which is unique and different in each one. So Paul, in every letter, works with orthodoxy and orthopraxy. Paul wrote one letter to the Galatians, he wrote one letter to the Ephesians, one letter to the Colossians. To all of Rome, he wrote one letter. But when he writes to his friend Timothy, who is going to help the church be the church in the future, he writes two letters. Because it's that important. And in this second letter, where they've been going back and forth, he says today, avoid wrangling with words, which by the way would be orthodoxy, wouldn't it? Avoid wrangling about words, which does no good and ruins tons of people. Instead, do your best. Orthopraxy. Do your best to present yourself to God. Now, there's an element of hypocrisy in our gospel reading as well today. It takes a moment to understand it. In, in uh, leprosy, lepers are, are sick people. It's a, it's a disease. Today, the disease is easily cured. Then it was not. Then it was a death sentence. And your skin crumbles, your skin falls off, it disfigures you, and it's slow, and it's painful, and you died. And on top of all of that agony, lepers were also shunned. And they were shunned by the people of God who believed that God only loved righteous and clean and pious people. So the hard truth that begins this lesson undercurrent is that religious people were afraid of lepers and shunned them. Listen to this, it's in Leviticus, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, first five books of the Bible, the Torah, center of Judaism, chapter 13. The person who has a leprous disease must wear torn clothes always, must let their hair of their head be disheveled always, must cover their upper lip always, must shout unclean, unclean in the presence of others, shall remain unclean as long as they have the disease, and shall live alone. Their dwelling shall be outside this community. How's that for a gap between what we say we believe and what we do? Wow. So the lepers in this story are not just sick, they're also lonely. 
And some of you have a sense what that's about because it's too often connected. It doesn't have to be a disease, let's make sure we say that, but a lot of people with diseases do feel abandoned, do feel alone, do feel like they'd go through that by themselves. can't imagine what something like Ebola would be like, but I'm certain I know what AIDS is, and I'm certain that even cancer today alienates others. It's part of why we're trying to rock a lot of pink this month so that you know you're not alone. You're not alone when you have an illness. But there's more than that, I think. There are, there are times in our lives where, where we go inside, when, when we're ashamed. And, and it, they don't always make sense. Losing your job, um, ending a relationship, child or parent difficulties, grief. That's the reason that we have Stephen Ministries, so that you don't have to go through that alone, because sharing burdens always makes them lighter. And honestly, I, I, I think that's what the church actually did when it's codified the prayer of the lepers in its very first liturgy. We don't sing that very often. We sing it during Lent here at this worship service. But the oldest liturgy of the church is Lord have mercy. Christ have mercy. Lord have mercy. Which is exactly what the lepers called. Now this probably isn't the first person that they had shouted out at. And it probably isn't the first people that they had begged to help help them. But this particular time, they begged Lord have mercy and they look down at their arms, and the sores are gone, and their skin is suddenly smooth again, like a baby. And they are so overcome with relief and with joy that at that moment, I think they would have done anything Jesus said to do. And he tells them, go and show yourself to the priest. You know where the priest lives? right in the middle of town, right in the middle of the city. And frankly, um, given the command from Leviticus, I have a hard time Jesus telling him to do that unless he's trying to make a point. And I think it's remarkable that they have faith enough to do it. But they do, they do. Well, let me rephrase that. Nine of them do it. One of them doesn't. One of them disobey Jesus. One of them didn't listen to Jesus. One of them could not handle what Jesus said and was so overcome with joy that they couldn't hold it in. And naturally, that one is the Samaritan, the outsider. I think it's really amazing that he's the one that Jesus lifts up. Whenever you hear the word Samaritan, I hope it comes to your mind one of Jesus' great stories because it's exactly like this. The story of the good Samaritan is really the story about the other people who pass by, Right? The others play it safe. The others follow the rules, do exactly what Jesus says, but not the good Samaritan. And frankly, I, I, his exuberant disobedience, um, that's what grabs me. Uh, that's what gets deep into me. Gratitude in its purest form has nothing to do with good manners or doing what you're told. I, I figured this out. I, I don't know when, probably when some of you kids, um, my parents would say to me, tell grandma thank you. And I would say, thank you, grandma. <laughs> and there was something inside of me that even then knew something don't smell right about this gratitude thing. We might have the purest example of gratitude in all of scripture today. A person running back when people told him not to. A person falling at the feet of Jesus and all he can say is thank you, praise God, 
Thank you. Martin Luther, who actually was the contemporary worship leader of the 1500s, Martin Luther once defined worship as the 10th leper coming back. I want to let that sit there for just a moment because it's so very different than what did I get out of worship this week? It's so very different. It's one of the reasons that music can touch us and it goes so well with worship is because they, they both deal with the heart and real worship has to be something about the heart rather than what we're supposed to do. Uh, Barbara Brown Taylor, fantastic theologian, says it this way. She says, well, 10 of them behaved like, like good Jews, like good lepers, and one of them, a double loser, Samaritan with leprosy, behaved like a man who was in love. <laughs> what a great image. Every year, Lord of Life Church hosts the Columbus Gay Men's Chorus Christmas concert. The concert is called Joy, and frankly, it always is. It's always a blast. I'll tell you a little story that happened this year. We're starting to look, you know, we haven't got the date. We better get the date down because we want to make sure we get our children's musical. I was down at ComFest and went past the tent, and I saw the director there, and I said, hey, Patrick, uh, we should probably get together and make sure we nail down a date for the, the Christmas concert. And he got the sheepish look on his face, which really started to worry me. And then he handed me the brochure that already said it was December the 11th at Lord of Life Church. (laughs) It's December the 11th. Six o'clock at Lord of Life Church. You can buy tickets online already. And I always want to tell you that. No one believes me at first. It's a sellout every year, and you better buy a ticket ahead of time. So, at any rate, we have done that concert for a decade or more. And this happens in some form or another to me every single year. Someone will grab my hand after the intermission when they point me out as the pastor of the church. And often with tears in their eyes, they, they might hug me, but they will say, say something like, thank you. Thank you for hosting this. It means the world to me. It means the world to me that my son is welcomed in a church. This community is a very appreciative congregation. We're, we're pretty good at sharing thanks and appreciation. And I, I, I don't lack any affirmation in my ministry here at Lord of Life Church. But there are moments in worship sometimes when we get overwhelmed with, with the beauty and the song. Yes. But there is no more authentic thanks than a man or a woman who's been told all their life that you're not welcomed here and you're not loved when they wrap their arms around you and say, thank you. And I realize that I probably don't do that enough myself. Um, Albert Schweitzer once said that I'm haunted by the oppressive consciousness of the little gratitude that I really showed when I was young. And to be honest, I can feel the pain of that. I don't think I said thanks to people enough when I was young. And my whole life has been blessed. And I I don't think of myself as ungrateful. I, I don't think I am. I think I'm actually very, very thankful up here orthodoxy. (laughs) But what is it? Is it shyness or is it inability or insecurity or fear? I don't let it out. I don't do enough orthopraxy. I, I don't think I've earned all the blessings in my life and I don't want to act like I have. And in that sense, yes, I, I do too much orthodoxy when it comes to gratitude. And the huge question would be, how can 
I turn it into orthopraxy. How can I practice thanksgiving? Now, I, I could just jump off right there. Um, and frankly, you should. You should. You should in small groups, uh, over coffee, over beers, or whatever. You should be talking about that, about what could I do to make thanksgiving to God real in my life? Um, I'm just scratching the surface. I'm certain it does have something to do with worship. I'm certain it does have something to do with returning thanks. I th- I'm certain it has something to do with, with sharing with, with our neighbors and, and with the body of Christ. And I'm certain it has something to do with how we see others uh, with compassion. And, and, and I'm not sure you can be truly thankful any more than you can be truly in love in, unless you somehow express it. And that is the nerve that I think the 10th leper touches in us. <clears throat> now, um, we always have some seminarians and people around, and I always make sure I call it what it is. If that was all I said today, and, uh, and you took that away, that would be some really good advice. But it would not be good news. It would not be good news. Telling what you ought to do. The good news is that you have something to be thankful for. There's just so much for which we can be thankful. And I, wanna, I just want to label it for just a moment. First, they're healed. I, mean, I, I kind of knew where I was going in the sermon, so maybe it couldn't touch you in the same way. I called, you answered, and you came to my rescue. Wow, we were singing that with such passion. Is there anybody here who doesn't have experience of being healed or rescued in some way? And second, and I think this is really easy to miss unless you, you got your eyes open. The ingrates, the people who are not thankful, Jesus doesn't punish them. He might be a little disappointed, might point it out, but he doesn't take the healing back. He doesn't get even, he's no less generous. People undoubtedly are going to, they're going to go back into town. They're going to go to their families. going to be in their communities. going to go to their jobs. going to the temple. And people are going to say, wow, look at you. You're healed. How did that happen? They're going to say, yeah, I don't know, but ain't it great? Even if ungrateful, the gift of healing happens. Even though Jesus was disappointed, he doesn't take the gift back. One of the first prayers I learned, God is great. God is good. Sometimes I worry we've turned it into God is nice. No, God is great. God is good. God is generous. Extravagantly, radically relentless. And then, and then I think this is really the big one. As strange as it might seem in our health conscious age, the most precious gift exchanged was not the gift of healing. And I'm not being naive. naive. Um, health is an amazing gift. And you realize that more the older you get. I got that. And I've heard it most of my life. As long as you have your health, you have everything. No, you don't. And the converse is equally true. When you lose your health, you haven't lost everything. Hmm. Big stuff. Not even the gift of health is as important as knowing the one who gives it. The nine lepers who did not return, they got a gift, no doubt, but they missed the gift. They missed the giver. They missed the giver. And if you read this text carefully again, Jesus doesn't question them for not giving thanks. He questions them for not praising God. 
Mm. Those are not the same. I, I would hope that this exercise would be different if it was done in a Sunday school, and certainly one of our life passages or affirmation or one body classes, but one of our dearest friends <clears throat> taught public school for 20 plus years in uh, suburban Chicago. Before Thanksgiving every year, she did the same exercise. It's a very healthy exercise. She just asked her kids to get out a piece of paper and write down all the things that you are thankful for. And it was numbered one to 20. All the things that you are thankful for. And in 20 plus years, not a single child, not one wrote God or Jesus. It's like nobody told them the good news. That all those other things can disappear and you'll have nothing. But that God never disappears. And God is always generous and always gracious. Ten lepers received the gift of health. One ex-leper received the gift of a gracious God who has compassion on all people all the time. Jesus concludes his story today rather abruptly. He says very simply, rise, go, your faith has made you well. Can't think of a better way to do it myself. Rise, go, be the church. Your faith in a gracious, loving, healing God will make you well. Amen.